When I was a little girl, I didn't think there was anything that I liked better than ice cream. Now I'm a big girl, and I've decided there's something I like better, much better. It's called the stuff. And believe me, enough is never enough. The stuff is here now. Great new taste sensation. Light and free now. Great new elevation. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough of the stuff. The stuff, the taste that makes you hungry for more. The stuff, taste that delivers. Enough is never enough. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Welcome everybody to my bloody podcast. It is April 28th. It's the end of April. We're getting into May and we have a wonderful, horrifying show today that may be sweet, that may be creamy. Oh yes, we're going to go back to 1985 today with the stuff. It's never enough. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the host with the most, the man who I love to hate to eat ice cream with and go on an adventure and stop ice cream people with basically Saul. Better call Saul. <laughs> <laughs> but his name is Mo in this one. Preston Barta, how are you? Doing well. That's a sweaty palm. That is a sweaty but Everybody's got sweaty palms. And hey, hey. You know, next time you see the FBI, tell them this for me. Smack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Saul from Better Call Saul, it got this character, got his character um, from this guy. <laughs> from Michael Moriarty. Yes, yeah. I'm telling you. So, of course, we're talking about 1985's The Stuff, a movie where ice cream kills you. Um, that's basically the logline. Ice cream kills people in this movie. Uh, it was written and directed by the infamous, the late Larry Cohen, who we've definitely done his movies on here, such as It's Alive, It, Al it Lives Again, uh, all sorts of stuff that he's done over the years. Very, you know, I don't know if you could tell, if you could say his movies are schlock, but they're like a step above schlock. Um, he's like the, he's like one of the best gorilla filmmakers ever. Like he can make stuff on a dime look pretty good and he can come up with these magic tricks with hardly any money. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, so it was it's Larry Cohen, and it stars Michael Moriarty, Garrett Morris, Paul Sorvino, Paul <laughs> Sorvino, y'all, Danny Aiello, and Patrick O'Neill. Uh, and it basically this movie it starts out with like a couple of guys on like a mining field in this like 
creamy marshmallow fluff that resembles ice cream starts bubbling up out of the ground and they eat it and they're like, oh, this is so good. It's very sweet. We've got to market this. And then, you know, flash forward and the stuff is being sold everywhere. And but like a lot of things like Coca-Cola's secret sauce and secret syrup that nobody knows what's in it. And there must have been something that happened with this ice cream because the rivaling companies like the chocolate companies have hired this lawyer to shut it down. But then they figure out that this ice cream stuff that's coming out of the ground is not what it seems. And then you have zombies and then you have, you have crazy things happening. So the stuff that's all within to- the first three minutes. Yes. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, all within the first three minutes. And, you know, it's funny I'm curious on what Larry Cohen's home life like was because I'm trying to figure out even those first like five minutes when you meet the little kid who's through the whole movie who knows what the stuff is, but nobody believes him. He's just like downstairs, you know, at three in the morning. He's not making a peep. He's hungry and he goes to the refrigerator to get ice cream and his dad just like basically abuses him. (laughs) <laughs> for yeah. no, no reason. I was like, man, was this what it was like in the 80s? I don't remember that because I grew up in the 80s. I was like, man, what is happening here? But the stuff, we got to talk about it. So I didn't see this when this came out. I don't even know if it got a major wide release back then. Um, I mean, I don't think so. But uh, I think I heard about this or it was one of those VHS movies I picked up when I was a kid and I saw the front cover and I was like, oh, let's check this out. Oh, it's ice cream. Kills people. Let's do it. And I remember it was like, this actually is pretty good for what it is. And like the visual effects, while they may be a little janky, are all practical and look like are pretty incredible and terrifying to me. But that's what I liked about it because the movie itself going from place to place is silly, but it works here. I don't know. I liked it. And then revisiting it back for this show, I, I came to like this movie a lot. So Preston, what, what, what are your thoughts on this? When did you first see it? So I don't remember when I saw it in its totality, but probably after either during high school or after high school, but it was the clips of, Faces getting smashed and they're all hollowed out and without blood. I remember seeing on late night TV while I was probably like seven or eight in Galveston with my parents. And that image always stuck with me. Um, But I re I would say I really saw it for the first time. Right, right when that, uh, Larry Cohen documentary came out, King Cohen. So it was right. Was that like five years ago or so? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually a pretty solid documentary. Um, and then, yeah, revisited it last night. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm a fan of Larry Cohen. Um, I think that documentary, uh, does a really good job of kind of making you more into his style. Like we were saying at the top with this kind of guerrilla filmmaking, especially when he, he was starting out, he, he did TV, but when he started doing like, um, he did, uh, so that movie with Fred Williamson, oh yeah oh man uh i know what you're talking about it's Um, it's really it's really solid too uh because it's so black caesar black caesar that's right that's right 
Um, because they do like fights in like airports and things like that, and they did it without having permits to do so. And so you're watching this and you're imagining, I wonder how many of the how how many permits he actually got to shoot in that because it always feels like he's shooting at a distance or really close up, like in a hidden kind of way, and that there's like ADR going on or something, especially when they're when the executives or all the slug horn type of people who are hiring Michael Moriarty's character to uh you know go find the secret sauce it seems like it's like ADR on a boat in front of the statue of liberty um so uh yeah so i saw it then and so i have an appreciation for his style the movie is littered with all kinds of problems um i think there's a lot of plot lines that are just kind of set up and abandon there's a lot of logical things that just don't make sense whatsoever especially as we probably get to the ending um but all that said i still think it's a fun movie primarily for michael moriarty's character like he's really good if you've seen uh the it lives movies that we already referenced um he's in those and he's he plays really good like entertaining weirdos and he can just say a line with such such class like the sweaty palm bit which is probably the most memorable line to me outside of paul servino saying something about uh sons of bitches and blood yeah (laughs) things being disgusting so uh yeah there's 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 so many moments in here where it just seems like the tones like on a certain level and it's like being a satirical horror movie that's commenting on uh commercialism and like tobacco industry alcohol and all kinds of stuff um so you have all that kind of serious stuff and then every once in a while they'll just be michael moriarty saying a line like that or you have chocolate chip charlie (laughs) saying (laughs) a line or whatever it may be and it just kind of you're just like thrown for a loop for a second but you're just like entertained by it all so all all those problems aside i think it's still a bit of a fun movie it you know, it's super fun movie because what how can you not have fun with ice cream that kills you <laughs> and then set yeah. up in a way that's almost hokey with like these little commercials that are injected into the movie yeah. with you know that 80s bright pink neon and spandex wearing women you know singing along to it yeah it's it's probably one of the best jingles made for a movie next to halloween 3 with the silver shamrock right right it's so it's it makes me laugh every time uh i hear it or watch it just because like oh man they knew what they were doing here and to go back with your guerrilla filmmaking comment with larry cohen even in his like interviews and his movies especially in this one he they talk about like yeah he's like on the spot like oh there's a restaurant we want to film in it won't you go ask him if we can film like for a couple minutes in it (laughs) he's like what if they say no he's like well we'll just go in just just say just say yes (laughs) that's that's filmmaking people that's so good yeah. like you don't have to have this set up but and he gets it well on here and yeah, he never stopped make co- making college films right <laughs> and but like he has an artistic eye for this stuff and everybody who's in on it 
it, it loves to do it. And as he says in one of the bonus features on the Arrow Blu-ray disc, it's like people say like I can be a hard ass, but they keep coming back every movie, like every movie I make. And the same people want to come back and make movies with me. And it's like, hell yeah, because you're having a good time <clears throat> and you're getting yeah, it done. Yeah, he's getting it done. And it seems like he makes it hugely collaborative because they're coming up with it on the spot. Yeah. As you said, like they're going like they he probably doesn't even figure out the total geography of his films. He's just kind of like. I need this kind of space. That seems like a good type of space. Let's go in there. Uh, it's not it, not a lot's planned, but I think that some some actors, or at least the actors that he works with or worked with pretty regularly, enjoyed that. And and it it's pretty fun and entertaining, especially if you. I think that's knowing how he works really makes the film even more fun uh, because you can know. You know the secret sauce. We got to be the slughorns through his interviews and everything to kind of figure out how he kind of what what's behind his craft. And it makes it very enjoyable. Yeah, it, it is. And you know what? It's kind of like brings up a fun like if they were both if these two people were both still alive, it would be amazing to have their arch opposites, their antithesis to them. Like you have Larry Cohen and you have Stanley Kubrick. Two yeah. very different ways of making movies. One is on the fly. We're going to do it. Hey, that looks like a good, let's do it. Okay, cut. Got it. Where One Kubrick is like first. severely planned 200 takes for just somebody walking down a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> and I would like for them to like be on each other's movie sets. They might, <laughs> they, they might have not been able to make it through. I don't yeah I don't think so it would make for a really good conversation because I feel like Larry both of them would just be like that's bullshit like you shouldn't do that and he's just like no man you're 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 ruining art you're, this is not what art should be that's what I imagine Stanley Kubrick would say because he is a very meticulous was a very meticulous filmmaker and that's part of the entertainment of watching those movies his movies is seeing like Jesus how much blood sweat and tears went into making that shot happen and then you watch larry cohen you're like man he just ran and did that probably took like five minutes but he got it done didn't matter what it looked like yeah it looked decent i liked it yeah <laughs> it's it, it brings up that interesting question that you you almost wish that there's an untold story of larry cohen and stanley kubrick just kind of talking about movies <laughs> <laughs> or playing chess uh whatever i think that'd been funny but back to the movie at hand um let's talk about michael moriarty a little bit in his his character named david mo rutherford and you know why they call me mo because it's mo money mo money mo money and i just like watching it again it's just like man Saul Goodman, Better Call Saul, is like uh -huh. Vince Gilligan had to have watched the stuff, and it's like, wow, like this is our character, like kind of model it after him. Like, did you get vibes of Saul Goodman here? Even though Mo is a is operating on a different level, and he's wants to be better and good, but I get that smarminess. Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll say that. I've only seen a little bit of Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. I have not seen them both in their totality, but I I get enough of an inkling from Michael Moriarty's character to say that, yeah, that checks out. 
that does check so. out. Right, right, right. Uh, you, well, side note, you should watch both those shows, but, um, <laughs> I, there, there's, there's, I mean, sidebar, there's going to be so many shows, Game of Thrones included, that I'm just going to be constantly running from people. <laughs> you, oh, Preston. Um, okay. So with the stuff, <laughs> I just, th- I just think Michael Moore turns it in. Like you said, he turns it in every role is like kind of the weird, quirky characters. Yeah. Um, and then like, there's, there's, there's all those like really good lines, even like when, uh, you just see plots uh, like different, yeah, different plots that are going on when they come together, such as the kid, when the kid and Michael Moriarty meet each other and he just so happens to be driving by and immediately picks up on that. Oh, this kid's in distress. He's, he's running from his family and he's like, yeah, I know that it moves too. So it's like a instant understanding of, Okay, you can write that down in a script, but maybe it doesn't truly transfer over to in a reality type of way. Um, But it does lead to like, even if they're having problems like that script wise, I feel like Michael Moriarty knows that he's he's like, you know what? Who cares? Let's just make this fun. And so the kid gets in the car and the kid's like, I threw up. And then he just says. I can't remember what the line that he says directly, but it, it was a funny moment um, that I that I can just recall laughing from. And he just has that capability all throughout, no matter how ridiculous things, how illogical things get. Somebody, whether it's him or Paul Servino, says something that's just like, you know what? I forgive this movie for all its qualms. It's it's still so much fun. Yeah, it's still so much fun. Uh, so. In addition to this being a horror film, it's also like a child adventure film because yeah. the kid in this movie is throughout is, is throughout it all. But it's almost kind of like not space campy, but it's uh, it's almost like could be a family friendly film, right? Like something that you would watch in the eighties like with your friends as a kid because he's like going on adventures. He's being taken to places. He's uh, going to these mining facilities and escaping these things. And while the movie's a horror movie, it nothing should really scare you in this movie uh, um, with any of the gore or anything, because it's very uh, over the top almost. And it's yeah. almost, there's a little bit of blood, but it's mostly white marshmallow cream yeah. puff that you would see in Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory like attacking you so i don't know if there's enough to scare you but i think like what do you think about the child adventure like and mixing with the horror i do you think it works here do you think they're having fun yeah i mean i if i was a kid watching this uh i would probably be we all kind of like those especially at the time like horror there's a lot of horror movies that are built on this same kind of formula of somebody knowing something and nobody else believe in them. Um, and that, that sort of misunderstanding between parties has always been a very connecting, like we connect with it because I, I feel like we all as children have seen something or, or have a certain belief and, and, and we kind of clash with others, whether it's our parents or our friends. And so that, that tends to be a really great, 
arena for horror and uh, to watch this kid. And as you mentioned at the top with his dad coming downstairs when he, when this kid is like hungry, he's going downstairs and then his dad sneaks up behind him. He's like, I thought you were a burglar. I almost killed you. And he's just like making him feel like a piece of shit for just being hungry. Meanwhile, he sends his kid back upstairs and then he's like, well, fuck it. I'm hungry. And so it's just (laughs) this, just like what? Um, And so you're like, I'm on board with this kid. His family is our assholes even before they started stuffing their faces with the stuff and I'm just on board for this kid to succeed. And so we're just, yeah, go into a store, go on a rampage, knock all the stuff off the shelf, make everybody look like you're crazy when we know what the reality is. Um, and so, yeah, I was on board with all his stuff and, uh, it was very, it's hard not to say stuff in this review. Um, sorry nice guys don't say and stuff just say asshole or whatever um (laughs) so uh yeah i i I enjoyed that and just following michael moriarty around with everything that he's doing so i i like all the individual plot pieces it's just you know when you mix them together it's kind of goofy or at least when they first move over uh, or come together it's not it doesn't gel well as, as you want it to, but you kind of just, as we've been saying throughout this, you like forgive pretty quickly and it moves on, but I don't know. How did you, did you like all the kids stuff? I did. I did like all the kids stuff. I think it just brought a little bit of groundness to it as, cause I like a lot of the movie is Mo, the lawyer going around and asking questions um, to like various businesses and, executives and other people about the stuff because he's trying to find out as a lawyer like what's in it what's going on but having that kid value bring it acts as a conduit for the audience is like this stuff is moving and it's something weird's going on like nobody will listen to me and i think that is us yeah that would be us. So I like that aspect of it. And he's thrown into it and he's like, you know, in the back of like an oil tanker being thrown around. And, you know, I, I, I like that. I like when they do that because it. it yeah, brings it it's like cre- it's creating tension for what the stuff is and what it's capable of, what it does. And even though it's not particularly horrific, like it's going for a blob type of thing or invasion of the body snatchers and those movies admittedly are better at building that horror, but it at least is a instant communication to the audience of like, this is the function of it. This is what it does. Um, even though the rules of it are kind of like wackadoo by the end of it, mm-hmm. um, it, it still, yeah, creates the stakes, creates the tension. So whatever Michael Moriarty is trying to do and trying to figure out what's what's it made of and all the business related stuff, it uh, makes creates builds more tension for for those moments. So you can be like, well, yeah, they gotta get to this quicker, or this stuff is still gonna be spreading. And so that, that it just kind of builds the momentum for the rest of the story it it does it does um and so what do you think about uh sorvino being in there not not necessarily <laughs> mira sorvino but paul sorvino you know the 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 don and goodfellas <laughs> he's he yeah. shows up like 
more than halfway through the movie. Like that's yeah. he, he's not in it a whole lot, but he's got he's got still that those acting chops are pretty great. Yeah, I mean, he's fully committed to what he's doing in here. He's like leading a whole militia and he's like this right wing kind of guy. And uh, yeah, man, he's got some lines in here. I don't know if he came up with them or maybe even Michael Moriarty fed it to him or maybe Larry Cohen did. I don't know. Um, But either way, there's just such intensity that he brings to to his part where like him just shouting son of a bitch or there's like even a bit of a racial moment where they're talking. It's like this fun little dialogue between him and the kid. And he's like, we're in America. We've never lost a war. And then the kid's like, what about Nam? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then he like, he quickly right after that, there's like, he's like, says something like these yellow sons of bitches and you're like jesus christ and then you the the (laughs) camera widens out and he's like oh it's a bunch of people wearing yellow coats right yeah yeah (laughs) that's larry cohen having a good time like that's in a comedy movie you know (laughs) yeah yeah it's there's good stuff like that in there and i just uh i eat it up and paul sorvino just like owns that screen every time he's on i think it makes me laugh yeah, like um, when they're when they're shooting the one of those guys that's uh, possessed by this by the stuff and is uh, in an alien form, I guess. And uh, he, it's the guy's been shot, and it's like oozing out. He's like, "Man, I love blood, but this is disgusting." And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, those lines, man, they're good. No, it's good. And all the, the commercials have guest stars, and one of the guest stars is Abe Vigoda. Yeah. <laughs> Abe Vigoda. And then, interestingly enough, in a uh, in an uncredited role in the supermarket, when the yeah. kid is destroying all the stuff, things in the supermarket, there is an employee that, like, tackles him and, like, has no lines, just an employee. But that's Ernest – or that's not Ernest – Eric Bogusian – uh, who's famous from the movie Talk Radio or even the Adam Sandler movie recently Uncut Gems as his brother yeah. or cousin. And it's just funny to see him in there. And this was like at the start of his career, so nobody knew who he was. But it was fun to see a Vagoda and then some regulars of Larry Cohen, like actresses from Maniac Cop and stuff like that show up in those commercials. I just, they're having a good time here in this stuff. Now I want to talk about Garrett Morris a little bit. To know, to see if you know anything about what happened between Garrett Morris, the SNL alum who's in this movie, and Larry Cohen. Because it seems like when Garrett had been interviewed about this movie, he doesn't want to talk about it because he does not respect Larry Cohen. And I'm curious as to why that would happen, like what may have happened on set or that he just doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, I don't know, because I, yeah, I heard about that, too, and who who knows, like, maybe it's just, like, one of those, one of the, he's a particular actor that has a certain style, and that wasn't, and maybe he was feeling insulted on, on the spot of, like, shooting. I mean, it's all fun, like, they have their, like, when they have their they live fight sequence. Right. <laughs> Um, which I guess this movie's taken some inspiration from as well, since that that movie John Carpenter's uh, s- satire on commercialism is uh, 
arguably probably more interesting of between the two, but uh, probably not as fun because I think they live as kind of boring now. But uh, that fight sequence holds up, even though it's really long. Anyway, um, yeah, I think that 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 would be my guess is that he maybe he felt insulted on set. I don't know. Maybe it was. The fact that his character is named Char- Chocolate Chip Char- uh, Charlie, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know what they did, but uh, he's good. He's good in the part, and he's very enjoyable. I love him, just being like this iron-fisted guy, where that, like, that's his gift. Like he just has this iron fist, where he can take, give, give a punch and, um, like punch through doors, and he like punches the concrete when he first comes onto the screen when he's trying to tackle Marco, Michael Moriarty's character and he like misses his face and punches the concrete and he's like, Oh, but it doesn't break his mm-hmm. hand. Like it probably would a normal person. Um, but yeah, same, same thing. Like he, he brings like such class to the part. Um, and so, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy him all the way through. So sucks that, uh, we haven't got like this honest discussion as to what happened. Maybe now the fact that Larry Cohen has passed and it's been enough time that maybe he would feel uh, relaxed enough to be able to say something. I don't know. No, I, I, I'm curious on what, what happened, but maybe they, maybe they, uh, they made up before Larry Cohen's death. Um, And now I want to go to, and I want to talk about, so, Nightmare on Elm Street 1 came out in 1984. This came out in 1985. There's a scene in this movie where uh, somebody gets attacked by the ice cream and he's going up the wall and almost kind of similar to that Nightmare on Elm Street uh, scene where the girl is thrust upon the ceiling and going around the wall. So do you think that was like Larry Cohen? That or they just he just said, hey, is that set still available? I'd like to use that. So... Yeah, probably. Maybe he worked with somebody that who uh, had that knew how to achieve that that look. Maybe, but yeah, I'm sure. I mean, Larry has has said he's like, you know, I steal from everybody, right? Like, I I steal from people, and people have stolen from me. Like he, when I talked to him right before he passed for his documentary, yeah, yeah. He, we were talking about it lives, and he says the whole opening and everything. I'm pretty sure Steven Spielberg stole it from me to do Jaws. So, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it, it happens. It happens, and I li- I like that because I mean one of the best interviews and Q and A's was him at Fantastic Fest for Maniac yes. Cop. Like it's unbelievable. Like just th- he he's old school and he is candid and he has the best stories. Yeah, he he's so good. So with the stuff. Do you think this could be made today? Like remade, like remade. And do you think it would have, do you think it would try to go, it would definitely try to go darker, but do you think it would have any semblance of the fun or the enjoyment or the silliness that this one has? Maybe not. I don't know. Cause we've talked about it on this podcast before with movies like, uh, malignant and megan kind of bringing this more fun and there's an appetite for it now outs in a mainstream kind of way outside of like you know 
if it was made today or maybe even a couple of years ago, it'd probably have sharks in it or something like that. Like it would it's just something stupid to add to the, the, the recipe. Um, but maybe um, I think, especially with like how we order online and how we live and shop today, I think there's a lot to be said. I think it probably would try to lean a little more into this satirical stuff and like find like more clever commentary to include in there. And so I'd be hopeful that if it was made today, that it would have still have that like fun sense uh, uh, like Michael Moriarty's character or, or something in it that kind of punched it up a little bit. So it wasn't completely serious, but like it, it, it like was well balanced with commentary being horrific and fun at the same time and still making logical sense uh, through it all. Uh, that That's what I imagine would happen if it was made today. If a good filmmaker uh, handled it, handle it. I agree. I agree. Um, what do you think this movie has in common with John Carpenter's the thing? Cause they're very similar. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just feelings of like when the bodies are, especially like some of the effects that are happening there with like the movements, um, whether it's the dog kind of opening its mouth in this way, that's not possible. Um, And then things, and then the stuff is oozing out of it. Uh, There's one uh, effect with uh, one of the characters that is probably one of the most memorable. Um, But yeah, just, just like them getting smashed open and like things feeling hollowed out where like blood is, is, is gone. And like, it's just a hollow shell of meat. That's just kind of without nothing, nothing between the flesh and the bone is, uh, kind of giving me that same feeling in, in addition to the way that the special effects are with the way, uh, the, the stuff moves about, Cause there's like some things that are done with, um, you know, the, 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 the stuff going up the window, out the window. And you're like, how the hell did they do that? And then you can watch it a little closely and you can say, Oh, they stacked a shot. Like they used a model and like stacked that on top of the, the original, uh, uh, shot that they had, um, for the the background action or whatever else is happening within the scene. So it's fun to kind of look into that detail, but I don't know, was there anything outside of that that is uh, more leaning into the thing than I know of? Right. I'm, you know, it's, you know, it's the alien kind of invasion getting into your body and taking over kind of slowly until something happens. Um, Also, I think maybe the opening shot of the movie, um, cause it almost looks like they're isolated oh, the on a, yeah. like a winter type of thing. So there's that. Yeah. And then even like the titles, the thing, the stuff almost yeah. kind of has something similar going on for it. Yeah. Uh, but I, it's fun to think that Larry Cohen's mind because I would have loved to just dive in there for like hours because he's like, Oh, the thing let's do that. Let's do our version, my version, you know, and it's, yeah. it's ice cream, you know, like, and he probably, and like he said in his interviews, like I get most of my ideas when I'm in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> like, did he just have ice cream? He's in the showers. Like what about ice cream that kills you? <laughs> and I, uh, Oh my. And he, yeah, maybe uh, he just watched, 
watched all the I mean, obviously it's it's like we mentioned, the blob invasion of the body snatchers, but also like trying to bring like a new spin to it and a lot of what's been new at the time was stuff that John Carpenter was doing with either They Live or The Thing and so and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So it seems like he's taken inspiration or took a lot of inspiration from all those films and wanted to try to bring his own unique spin with it that maybe he got lost. This is me jumping ahead to like a lot of the stuff that happens in the end, but uh, that maybe he just got so focused on those things, those like nice candy moments um, and then just didn't know how to connect them or uh, make it function properly to make them as lasting as those movies are. Right. Right. I, I agree. So what do you think about the end of this movie? Because it, <laughs> it's, it's genius, you know, it, it's like what would happen, I imagine, but you know, how the end goes is like, okay, saves the day it's you know it's gone but then you know wait a second like there's always a black market there's always an underground black market trying to get this stuff literally the stuff and this ice cream and that's how it ends like it's uh the smugglers tasting the stuff and like we got to put this on the black market and you're just like wait what is happening here right well what do you think i think that's interesting and that saved it but it still is so cheap that the reason why it got taken off of the main market is because there's this whole side plot with Michael Moriarty and an ad executive who was creating all these commercials for this stuff and created the jingle that we've already referenced. And so they're, they're working together. They're trying to figure out like, like hey you're doing all these things and you, you did you did it successfully because people are buying it and it's taken off but have you ever like just kind of stopped to think like it's like this jeff goldblum and jurassic park kind of moment is like just because you should <laughs> just because you could does it does it mean that you should yeah um, <laughs> and uh so that just that kind of questioning makes it interesting but then we get to the end where this, there, there's this whole battle sequence and then it's just like, hey, we just got to, you know, get the message out there that this thing is not good. And that's all it took. Like there wasn't a huge pushback like there probably would be today where it's like, it, no, man, it's delicious. We're already too far gone. Like it's not like uh, even in a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers when they're all on the, the purple goo from uh ivan ooze and the parents are all like messed up they're acting like zombies they're doing all the the devil's work and all it took was a spray of water or smack in the face to kind of be like hey snap out of it um but all it took here was just a tv commercial or a radio commercial getting that out there and everybody's like okay let's go burn these books let's yeah let's go let's, go, let's go burn all of them and then like even blow up the stands and i was like wait <laughs> they almost blew up a mcdonald's <laughs> yeah right next to it yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so it's just kind of like you're rolling with the punches at that point you're just like this is complete buffoonery at this point and whatever 
but yeah, it, it it's just that was like the biggest logical error I feel like in the whole movie is that no humans would probably be pushing a little bit against or at least like with the rules that you're presenting with how the stuff affects people like obviously there's an invasion of the body snatchers type of thing going on here like where is this all coming from like there's all these questions that are kind of like like where does this stuff come from like where where was it alien is there some sort of like mr uh, i was watching um the last drive-in uh commentary on this last night that's how i watched it because i was like oh i want to see what uh joe bob briggs had to say about it because i I didn't watch his his episode from 2019 and he was he doesn't like it he thinks it's uh larry cohen's worst movie but still kind of has somewhat fun with it but he was like poking fun at all the little things that are happening along the way um and especially the ending but he was like questioning it's like is there a mr stuff behind this like and you're like yeah like with michael moriarty's character you think that there's going to be like mr business behind all this that's been pulling the strings all along especially with how the the beginning like we said takes three minutes for them to get going with something and in another movie it would take probably like half an hour half the movie to get where it got in three minutes like we'd be built we'd be building characters and and small things would be happening here and there, but like the last 30 minutes would be completely unhinged. And so it, it just like, he got Larry Cohen got right to it and just was like finding ways to kind of fill in the gaps. And then it, he lost the reins, but it was like, you know, what? throw comedy in it. Let's keep it going. And then, yeah, the black market thing at the very end, I think is what kind of makes it feel like, uh, maybe there was some smart moments to this film all throughout even though it is fun and there was some uh a good foundation here that was the moment that kind of brought it around and was like a nice way to end the film on i would say right 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 i i agree i i think it was it was the way to do it um the stuff i this is a fun movie i think it's like one of those movies that most people have not seen still like i think a lot of people in our arena like the big movie people that just seek out stuff at like your local alamo draft house or uh like the weird and obscure stuff probably have seen this but most have not it's like what is the stuff and it's like it's a movie where ice cream kills you wait we have to see this and i feel like today if that were the case they might even go as far as like uh like do a, a a run on Ben and Jerry's, like you know, call it you know <laughs> Lennon Dairies or something like that, Lennon Gary's, and it would just be funny and like that would be serve probably promotion for them. But uh, I think uh, I I feel like this movie needs to be remade today, just because it it is great, it is fun. I don't know, I I, I, I could I could see. I don't think they've made one in a little while, but. Uh, Hulu and Blumhouse used to do this series called End of the Dark, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what the style was. There, there were so many mo- so many of those projects that felt like they were inspired from classic films, and they were somewhat seasonal. They had tied it like if the movie came out in July, the movie would be a Fourth of July related movie or something tied to America in some way, and so. 
I, I could see like them doing like a summer movie, like if this was June and like, hey, we like ice cream and things like that, that it would be a perfect home for it. But I don't think they've been active with it lately after COVID. Um, and maybe it wasn't doing as well as or, or maybe I'm completely wrong, but I don't think they, they've been doing anything for a, a couple of years now. But I could see it doing something like that. Like, I don't know if uh, even though Warner Bros and Paramount have been taking some swings with uh, the horror that they've been doing lately. I, I don't think they would do something quite like this, but I, I would see like Hulu and Blumhouse doing something like this and it being OK. Yeah, being an okay. Yeah, I and hopefully they would keep it right at 85 minutes because that's how long the yes. stuff is. And it gets to it, like Preston said, in the first three minutes. You're just like, we're going. We are like, what's the what's the rest of the movie gonna be? Yeah, what, what, what's happening? So yeah, the the stuff. Um, you can buy it on Arrow Video uh on Blu-ray right now. Uh is it available everywhere? I don't know. I don't because because I know it's on Shutter through the last drive-in, but you have okay. to watch it with Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, I'm gonna look right here now. and there. I'm gonna I'm look not entirely right sure. So yeah, you can watch it for free on Tubi. Watch it for free on Pluto TV. You could watch it on Apple, Amazon Prime for uh for to rent uh or Vudu paid two ninety nine. Are you out of your mind? Yeah, this is available everywhere, and you should seek it out because. It's at a time where Larry Cohen's at his height. It's 1985. It feels like 1985. The characters are great. You'll see some char- some some actors you recognize as younger people. I have a good time with this. This is a movie that you'd want to show people. Like I'm, I'm gonna show you a movie that you've never seen. Tell me what you think. Yeah, and I think they'd have a good time. Yeah, I would say so. I think they would I think they would recognize the problems in it, but still would be very forgiving because it was enjoyable. Right, right. Enough is never enough, as they say in this movie, with the stuff. Uh yeah, that's our show for this week. My bloody podcast. Thank you for listening. Check Preston Barta out. Read his reviews, read his in-depth reviews, and see his amazing interviews over at freshfiction.tv. The Denton Record Chronicle, and find him at Blu-ray Dad on Instagram and Twitter at Preston Barta. You can see his latest interviews coming up for Ted Lasso, and you can read his movies, see his new amazing review for the new Peter Pan and Wendy movie by our boy David Lowry from Dallas. Check that out. And I'm Brian Kluger. Find me at highdefdigest.com, boomstickcomics.com. Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, Yeah, we'll be back next week with another groovy movie. I'll see you later.